I really felt like I was living in a simulation. Like I didn't know who the girl was doing the stuff. And I just went to the bar. I sat there. I had a drink. I had some oysters because I was like, I'll, well, at least let me do something I love. Right. If I'm gonna, if I'm going down, <laughs> I'm, I'm going down. fancy. <laughs> I'm going down and slurping up some oysters. <laughs> Because you're you're having an anxiety attack. You're not losing your taste. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Normalize This, the show where we discuss whether or not ideas, trends, and behavior should be normalized in everyday society. My name is Adam Rippon. Who happens to be a trend and behavior we should normalize. <laughs> Thank you. Finally, I've been waiting Someone for... Someone had waiting to for, say it. Yes. And it, who are you? It is I, Danielle Young, a.k.a. the content queen, a.k.a. Yes. Power, Ebony Power 100, honoree... And just esteemed, Incredible. esteemed co-host to Adam Rippon. And, and I'm in steam just <laughs> being here. There is steam happening. There is. And there's going to be some more because today we are going to discuss normalizing hitting rock bottom. Danielle, this thoughts? <sighs> Boom. Crash. That, the, just not a regular bottom. Rock. A rock bottom. This is rock bottom. It is a different kind of a bottom. Mm. You know, it's, it's, you can't so go many. nowhere but up. Exactly. Do we take anything seriously? Probably Mm-mm. not. But stick with us. Because later on in the show, we're also going to be playing a game. An, an esteemed game. In mm-hmm. <laughs> steam game. An <laughs> esteemed game in steam called Keep It or Curb or Curb It. it. One day, My favorite. I do. One day, I will sing it in a note, and in know? the same in the same time as me. I know. Um, I I will work <laughs> on it. My timing. But if you're new here, keep it or curb it is where Adam and I decide what to celebrate or what to toss away, like old garbage. Yes, and we're very good at it. <laughs> Super good. Not good enough to be garbage men, but but good enough to be keep it men. <laughs> And before we get all the way into the show, I want to let you know, because this relationship is long, it's strong, we love each other. Mm -hmm. We want to hear from you. It's been so long. Hit me up on social media. You know, let me know what you want to see normalized. Let me know what you want to talk about. We could Mm -hmm. even just, like, talk about your problems. Right. Okay? I'm there for you. I'm on Instagram at the Danielle Young, on Twitter at RapsoDanny. Adam, where are they going to hit you up at? They're going to hit me up on Instagram at Adam Rip. Adam, uh, nope, that's actually not true. Don't He'll, hit that person. Uh, no, do not. Actually, if you've <laughs> drafted that message, don't hit send. Because you Instagram. know they are already typing it in. Exactly. Because I know that we have an incredibly a 100% response audience. <laughs> Call and response. Yes. Um, first responsers. And so <laughs> at Instagram, at a rip and on Twitter, Adam Ripon. So yeah, if you have anything that you need us to normalize, which we will do free of charge. Free. You don't even got to pay for it. Exactly. But we are paying. But we, <laughs> we are, are paying. paying a pretty penny mm-hmm. to make sure that you hear us. But don't forget also there's more things. Okay. This relationship mm-hmm. takes, it takes some work. Me and Adam are putting in a lot. So, you know, reciprocate. Please. Rate us, subscribe, mm-hmm. and leave a review while you're at it. It's going to take minimum two minutes. Yeah. And what Danielle means by that is five stars, quick <laughs> sentence, you're in, you're out. Thank you. And that's all we want. That's all we really want. And honestly, I meant maximum two minutes. Minimum yes. zero seconds because it doesn't yes. take long. Yeah. Five stars and you're out. Adam. (laughs) Hi there. (laughs) Tell us a fun fact about yourself that is actually fun and a fact. 
Um, okay. A fun fact about me is currently, you know, I do love my beverages. I'm more of like a drinker than an eater. Mm, interesting. You know, my fun fact is that I like to find coupons online, which is how I did buy this spindrift. <laughs> you just be going to Google and typing in? Yes. I feel like there has to be an app for that by now. I know, but every time you like Google it, there's always like some bootleg code that doesn't work. But every once in a while, it works. I do that when I shop, but I do not do it outside of clothing. I, okay, I'll tell I you. I know what you happened. could. You can do anything you want <laughs> <laughs> in this day and age. Yeah, you can do anything you want. And what I I what I had a moment like a few weeks ago where I was thinking about groceries. Mm. And what I was thinking was that I know that there are people who coupon who like pay $2 a week and they are getting like racks of lamb and like 4,000 <laughs> rolls of paper towels. I'm like, how do you do that? So I started trying to research it. Obviously, if it's not clear, I have a pretty bad case of ADHD. Yes. And so I was trying to figure out how to become a couponer, which led me to the Spindrift website where I spent $200 to get $50 off. So I did save $50, (laughs) but I'm more upset that I paid the $150. You are doing couponing all wrong. Wrong. I'm spending to save. (laughs) Which is the, that is key, but not like that. Is it? Yeah, no. Danielle, what's your fact? The fun fact about me today is, Adam, I shaved my head. Yeah. Isn't Um, that crazy? Were you choking? uh, no, I was drinking. I had. I took a uh, swig of of drift of spin drift. Uh-huh. I love your shaved head because you also bleached your hair. Yes, I did. I have a short balding balding <laughs> by your own design. <laughs> I've chosen to go the balding route. Um, I love it. No, you but like- yes, I have a very short buzz cut, and it is blonde. Yeah. So okay, I feel a like question. a superhero. Have you ever had short hair? Uh, All my life. Honestly, I haven't. My hair is not. It hasn't been like longer than like chin length for most of my life. But you have you have very curly hair. Yes. Naturally curly hair, but I don't do much with it. But even then, having hair that's very curly, even if it's just chin length, that still means that like. It's still hair, and yeah. it's still, when you take a shower, it's not dry for a while. Listen, you don't know nothing about black girl showers. We are very often dry <laughs> in the, the head second... department when we're in the shower. But, you know, every two weeks or so, we we wash it. But no, the, honestly, I, because I use a lot of protective styles, braids and wigs and weaves and things like that, I just often didn't pay attention to my actual hair. Mm-hmm. And... I think I've become, or just naturally, I am one of those people who have like all this symbolic, like meaning and feeling behind shaving their heads. I didn't mean for it to be all that. I just thought of it one day and I've been going through, you know, some depression and some things on my, like, you know, in my life. And it has felt so like symbolically beautiful. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like I've let go. I feel like I hadn't really been feeling myself, even though I know I'm adorable. Like I would look (laughs) easily. I would look in the mirror and just not feel that or not, you know, not feel sexy or, and and that can have a lot of effects in your relationship and the way you carry yourself. Um, And so now I think I'm, I'm like me again. So I feel, Mm. you know, I feel myself and the confidence is there and the energy is there. So it just, it feels like I actually like did let go. Of more wow. than just the hair. I, like, I let go of something that felt like it was weighing me down. Isn't it crazy how sometimes something is s- small and, and honestly, like shaving your head is a big thing. I know. But something it's like that can just be so like altering to the way that we're feeling about yeah, ourselves. Yeah, and not for nothing, my head is perfectly shaped. Very excited it, it about is. that. And, you know, I will say that that is the thing about your shaved head, which also you, you're you beautiful. So very. you have the very. And so 
you have the face to pull this off. And so if I were balding, I have a baby <laughs> face. If I were balding, just imagine a oversized baby that has an egg head. <laughs> okay, so that's why you'll never be seeing me. You're not you're not going to do it. You're not going to go bald with me. No, enjoy. You enjoy. I'm having a great time. Blondes do have more fun. I feel free. I definitely uh came up from a bottom. I don't know if it was my rock bottom, but it was very close. But which is well, exciting because that's the episode that we're on. And I'm 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 like a little terrified to get into it. I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. to talk about rock bottom because I don't know. I feel like there's a few points in my life where I can I can point to that yeah. felt like a rock bottom, but yeah. I I'm not afraid of them anymore. I used to be kind of afraid of it, but I'm not yeah. afraid of it anymore because I it's that restart. I feel like it's a point where I can try, like start over almost. And yeah. that's kind of like the gift of being at rock bottom. Yeah, strategizing to get out. So for those of you who don't know or have never felt the depths and the despair of a rock bottom, it is the moment, a moment, because you probably could have more than one. God bless you if you do. Mm-hmm. But it's a moment in a person's life where failure, bad luck, big losses, big negative events pile up all at once. And it kind of just like takes you out. Mm-hmm. Like you can't get any momentum. Like, and there's nothing working. There's yeah. no reprieve. There's no place that you can go to. You feel like, okay, at least I can pivot. It's just like, everything is a hot mess. Mm-hmm. Like you said, to me, it's a reset on your life. And it's hard to look at it that way when you're in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. Whether you've lost your job and you don't have any money in your savings or you lose your your scholarship at school and you have no other way to go to school or you're going through like drug abuse or losing people close to you, you're, like losing a parent in a time where you need them most mm-hmm. um, is really, really a rock bottom place to be in. Like there's just so many ways that life can like put you in this place. Right. And how you get there. And just, I think the the thing about rock bottom is that there's so many different kinds of it. It's really like, you have to realize that you're there for you to turn it around or it can just feel like it never is ending. Yeah, the thing is, it does feel like that when it's happening. It just feels like if you believe in God, like God has forgotten about you or everything mm-hmm. seems to be happening wonderfully for so many people around you and you just are not able to like, get out of it. But like, I've had a couple of friends recently who felt like they were there, especially in the sense of like not having work Mm -hmm. and thus losing out on opportunities to do things that they would want to do to like make them feel better because there's no money. So it just feels kind of like, oh my God, I have to like really sacrifice and really strategize on how to like survive. And Mm -hmm. when they were doing that, they didn't feel... It was hard to feel positive, right? And so when I would come in and I'm doing great and everything's going the way it's going, you know, at least optics wise. Right. And here I am. It's like, all about optics. It all it all, all the optics because <laughs> I was not doing great. I just, I, I had a job. <laughs> but I came in and I'm like, you know what? I was literally there when I did not have this gig. Mm-hmm. And I really felt like God was clearing the slate for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't know exactly what for, but I knew that like my 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 way was being cleared so that I could make a new one. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think looking at it like that, and I mean like completely jobless in an apartment that was like, I'm in over my head. I'm just like, oh my God. But to look at that and know like, oh wait, no, this is actually just a blank canvas where I get to like pivot and and create whatever it is that I'm about to do next. It feel like it gave me power, Mm -hmm. you know? And so just trying to tell that to somebody who's in their bottom, they ain't trying to hear that. Right. (laughs) Well, you know what? Especially the thing is, is that you aren't at rock bottom until you tell yourself that you're there. And even if things I feel, if things still continue to not go your way, just that mindset flip of like, okay, I'm at rock bottom and I'm working from here. It just helps you look for the positive things because you just think, okay, that, that's it. I'm at the bottom. Like how do yeah. I, I'm going to work up from here? But there, yeah, I think that is it too. Like life can be very daunting. 
Mm-hmm. There's And like we said earlier, there's so many different ways that you can experience having like the bottom happen yeah. to you. And it's just going to keep happening. <laughs> That's the craziest thing. Like you might not always hit like a repeated or, re- or recurring rock bottom, but there's so many ebbs and flows in life. It's very hard to say that like, it's going to be smooth sailing. That first rock bottom, like some people have been blessed enough not to experience that until adulthood. But mm-hmm. there are people that probably have seen that in their childhood and, you know, in their formative years and everything like that. And it makes it really tough to navigate around those things. But when you fast forward and see the fact that you survived it, because mm-hmm. I had a friend tell me that too, like where, you know, I've, I've had a lot of loss in my life very early. And I get very personal. I feel like on this podcast, more personal than I ever planned to. I love it. I think it makes, I think it's why I love talking with you so much because you sh- you're you so honest. I get very personal. But yeah, I, I was going to share that like, you know, when I talk about my mom and everything, if, you know, if you hear me mention her, it's, she's actually my aunt and she's raised me since I was a baby, myself, my brother and my sister, mm-hmm. um, because I lost my mom when I was a baby. And it used to be just one of those things that I kind of always wanted to bypass when people mm-hmm. would have questions or want to know. And I just never really liked to like think about it. I just always kind of moved past it. And then the older I got, the more I realized that like, okay, girl, this happened to you for real. Like, it's okay. But honestly, Adam, it wasn't until recently yeah. in a therapy session where I kind of like got to cry about it. Because it happened in a time where I didn't know her. You know what I mean? I was like a, a right. three years old. Yeah. So I don't I don't have memories there. But I, you know, pictures and stories and things like that. And I would love to hear it, but I never mourned it. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've like hit a, an emotional rock bottom and a mm-hmm. lot of the things that I was doing to pretend that it didn't happen. And so then to like feel that and mm-hmm. know that, but then have that feeling of, oh no, girl, you survived this. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful thing to be able to survive. So in those type of like losses in rock bottom, like, you know, if it's a rock bottom and it's a loss, I hate to like try to sound motivational or inspirational to people, but it's just such a beautiful tool that helped me move through anything is to know that I can, I can and I or have survived it. I think that because you've, worked with people and you've worked on it, you can see the bright side of it. I feel like if I have to think of like two rock bottom, I can think of like two very specific rock bottoms. And I think that like in my life and in my careers that um, I've hit different versions of rock bottom. Do you know, like some I feel Mm -hmm. like are low low, low, low. And some feel like a, a nice, like, you know, if you're like falling down a mountain, maybe you'll hit a landing. That's what it can yes. kind of feel like. And you've hit that rock bottom. You're technically on a rock on your bottom, right? That's, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. But I remember a time, it was after the Olympics when um, I, I had just been an athlete my whole life. And then immediately I just started working and doing so many different things. What's so strange is that like, as an athlete, you're so focused on this one thing and it's, it's so important and it's your whole world. And you just constantly remind yourself that it's not, um, and that there are so many other things that are important, which is Mm -hmm. so true, but you can't get it done if it isn't your whole world. So you're just constantly telling yourself that something isn't important when it really is the most important thing to you. And that's okay to feel that too. Yeah, it's it is. okay to feel that too. I just think that like <laughs> there's certain, I've used so many tools over the years because life is hard with a capital H. Mm-hmm. And I think about um, Iyama Van Zandt. Like she has a lot, you know, if, if we don't know, she's she's like a, I don't want to say self-help guru, but she she writes a lot of devotionals, which I use, I, I use one of her devotionals until today, every day, which is really powerful. And she's uh, been known to have shows, like she said, on the Fix My Life shows, like she'd literally be helping people fix their lives, like interrupts them, stops them from mm-hmm. doing the thing that they're doing and tries to get them to think and live differently. 
And in one of the pages of her Until Today book, it was talking about, and it was like towards the end of the year. Um, So it's like, you know, you've been through this whole year and you're trying to hunker down and get ready for the new year. And there's still so much to do. There's still so much to let go of. There's still so much to heal from. And it can be overwhelming. And she was like, you just need to, you know, take, take a day, take a moment, however long you can take and allow yourself to have like almost a personal spiritual revival. And mm-hmm. like, if it's writing it down, if it's saying it out, but like allowing yourself to like mourn and cry and moan and scream. And I know people might be like rolling their eyes or things like that, but there's not many times, especially as an adult, like yeah. you think about the freedom that a kid has to cry over literal spilled milk, mm-hmm. like screaming, crying, snot nose, hyperventilating. Right. Too much time, if you're asking So me. much time kids yeah. have to cry over whatever. Mm-hmm. But those emotions don't typically don't stay the older we get, right? And you don't actually cry over spilled milk anymore. And your spilled milk could be, I don't know, you made a bad investment and now you're you're out of money or, mm-hmm. you know, like someone robbed you, someone died. Whatever the spilled milk is, is your spilled milk. And right. we don't a lot of times make that time to mourn it. Death is a little, quote unquote, easier to mourn. But when it's stuff that's going on in life, losing that job, losing that friend, you know, whatever the case, like you need to make the space, make the room to cry and scream out. Like, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yes. I mean, I've had moments like that of like, you just need to like restart in your own space. Mm-hmm. And what I was saying of like, of like that, that mindset that I felt like that I was in that I started working right away. And this one thing that I was so focused on, I wasn't, it had nothing to do with what I was doing anymore. I felt like I was kind of going through the motions and everything that I did just didn't feel important at all. Oh my gosh. So stupid. And I was like, what am I doing? Everything I'm doing is just worthless because it's not as physically demanding as what I was doing before or like the stakes didn't feel as large. And I just felt like everything that I was doing was completely pointless. I didn't feel like I was adding anything into the world. Yeah. And I just remember that like I, the, the rock bottom I felt is like, I remember it was like the, I don't know, it was probably like a, a week or so before I started noticing it, but it was like just waiting until it was like four o'clock to like make myself a drink so that like it was like a normal time because I was just looking for something to do. And I was like, yeah, I'm just, I don't, I feel so lost and like out of place and I don't know where I belong. And it ties right into that like, I needed to kind of mourn that different version of myself that didn't exist anymore. Right. You know what I mean? That I never, I just, life just continued, but I never like got to process the change that I was making in my own life. And when I kind of realized that it was like, yeah, like we're kind of taught to like suck it up and not cry and, and you don't want to burden other people with your issues. So yeah, you're not always going to share everything that's going on in your own thoughts, but really like making that time to, to to let it out. Listen, let it out. As someone who recently let it go, literally and <laughs> mentally and all these things, like it, it re- a release is a very necessary thing when dealing with the rock bottom, with dealing with your own emotions, when dealing with anything that feels heavier than you think you can carry, you know? And mm-hmm. I think one of the best things about a rock bottom is the fact that you get out. Yeah. Like you can and you will get up out of there because there's no other choice. Like you can't sit in the rock bottom. That's literally giving up. Yes. So coming up out of that thing and like making sure that you are actively giving yourself a chance to do so, it does a lot to your resilience. Like Mm -hmm. now the next time that a bottom comes, it's not going to be as, dire you you'll be able to bounce back a little quicker it won't it won't tear you down as hard you know what I mean it helps you feel more confident it helps you feel like you got this you know what I mean so it's just like coming up out of that thing it does so much to your to your spirit 
I mean, it can be really empowering mm-hmm. to find your way out of a situation that feels like rock bottom. I feel like in those situ in those situations that like it's the kind of you're given this like extra kind of power to be like, okay, what's going on? How did I get here? Were there mistakes that I, I made? Here? Can I can I learn from something? And you know, I'm only speaking from my own personal experience with feeling at rock bottom, you know, because yeah. everybody's different. Everybody's different. And you can really trick yourself when you're down there into thinking that everything is just bad. <laughs> you yeah, know, I'm like, like you a can professional re- at that. You can really trick yourself into that. And it takes a lot to shift that mindset because words are so powerful that you could put that on yourself. You know what I mean? Like you're in it already and you're speaking negatively towards it. I don't want to say that depression and rock bottom are one in the same, but they do, they do be holding hands. They are, they talk. They talk, they date. They they have been places together. They, (laughs) and we've (laughs) seen them there. So that's like why we're saying this. They've been spotted um, Mm -hmm. together canoodling. Mm -hmm. Now, I have been recently medicated um, Mm -hmm. for anxiety and depression. And it's been about three, four weeks, three-ish weeks. What do you think? (laughs) I think everybody need to get them a pill, baby. Yeah. I just, (laughs) because I was feeling genuinely destitute. I was feeling empty, like Mm -hmm. hopeless, penny with a hole in it. Giving mm-hmm. you very much, there is no point. Yeah. And that was scary to me. Yeah. You know, dealing with that on a on a recurring basis, but like, n- it hadn't felt that empty for me. Mm-hmm. I've felt sad. I've been depressed before, like not being able to get out of bed. I've been, you know, in, the, in anxiety attacks that have made me feel like, oh my God, I actually, I should go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so, and I've dealt with that, but I've always been okay, or maybe I thought I thought I was right. But you worked this, your way out of it, yeah. Quote unquote, somehow, and I was like, right? oh, everything's okay, yeah. But then it it felt like, and forgive me for comparing myself to anybody's medical plights or anything, but you you've heard of like these long COVID symptoms where people think they're good and then they still have lingering effects of the things that COVID have, has done to their body. Yes. I feel like I felt that when it comes to depression and anxiety, where I would feel the effects of lingering depression, like in my back or in in Mm -hmm. certain ways of never being able to catch up with myself energy wise um, Mm -hmm. and just trying my best to pretend. And I could not anymore. And I got really scared about that. So Mm -hmm. I did what I thought was best. And I just started telling people that I'm not okay. Yeah. Because I was like, if I tell y'all, y'all know. Mm-hmm. And whatever you do with that, like, I'll have to manage it, which was also giving me a little anxiety here and there. Right. But yeah, it helped me feel safer in sharing that. Mm-hmm. And then I'm still trying to live. I'm still trying to trudge along. But it wasn't until I tried to physically go into work. Mm-hmm. That you really felt it? That I actually felt it. And I had an anxiety attack before I, like, as my car was pulling up. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do it. And then I tried to still force myself and push myself. to Because I'm like, girl, this amazing job. You're going to see these people face to face for the first time since mm-hmm. you got the job. Like, yeah. No, you could not tell my, my brain that this was good in right. any way. And I was terrified. Mm-hmm. And after I like got, cause I had to like, it was this whole security thing to get in. I calmed down outside long enough to go in. But then once I went upstairs, it happened again. And I like snuck off into a bathroom Oof. and I'm trying to get myself together because I also don't know what the hell is going on yeah. because me, well, I'm excited. Right. But I wasn't, I could not pull it together. And I was trying to like, read like messages and like tell somebody that like I can't do this I couldn't even read or comprehend or type oh that's so scary and I was like what the okay all right yeah so I just tried to calm myself down I don't know how long I was in that bathroom but Mm -hmm. because of the type of office that it was 
there's multiple floors, thank God. So yeah. there, and also we're still, you know, in this weird COVID office time. So there wasn't a lot of people there. So no one came into the bathroom that whole time. And I made my way out, made my way out the door. And it felt like I like got a burst of air when I walked out of the doors and I calmed myself down and I literally just called an Uber to a place like a bar. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> just I to get like, out, just, just to, to get out. I really yeah. felt like I was living in a simulation. Like I didn't know who the girl was doing the stuff. And mm-hmm. I just went to the bar. I sat there. I had a drink. I had some oysters because I was like, I'll, well, at least let me do something I love. Right. If I'm gonna, if I'm going down <laughs> and I'm going down <laughs> fancy, I'm going down and slurping up some oysters. <laughs> Because you're you're having an anxiety attack. You're not losing your taste. <laughs> Let's get real, okay? Those are two very different things. We don't lose class. I still would like some <laughs> some East Coast. <laughs> oh my god! So I did that, and then I just went and got on the plane and flew back here because the office um, was in another city. But I flew back here. And I then told my my manager like the next day. And even then I was like hella anxious to do that because like, who do I think I am? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I just started this job uh, that I'm very grateful for, but it was just such a moment of like, I don't even know what or who I am. Like the not mm. being able to read, I was like, nah, what, this is weird. Very scary. And I finally was like, let me talk to someone. Let me schedule some appointments. But even that was so much labor. Yeah. Whenever you're going through a mental thing. So it's like, I understand how strenuous it can be to even help yourself. Yeah. You know, I, when I would always think of medication, I was always afraid that I would be different. Or Same. That, like, it I was would so suppress, nervous. I was very nervous. And it would like make me not as funny and or it would make me not I don't even know and I remember like this is all like what I'm talking about like sitting and waiting for that drink this is like probably three years ago and this rock bottom just kind of cycled through and I just knew that there was a lot of things I needed to do on myself and one of them was like I was just completely convinced that like I need to talk to somebody yeah I was just like, you know what? I'm I'm not weak. I'm not going to do that. I don't need to do that. I can work through this, which is the sign of being insane. So <laughs> I was just like, all of these things that I have, these anxieties I have, what's so twisted is that I think, I, I think now I'm, I'm curious to like how I would be as an athlete now. But mm. as an athlete, the anxieties that I felt like I need to do this, I need to get that done, that like, get, like, come on, do another one, push yourself harder. I could translate the anxieties into that. Mm. And then as soon as the sport was gone, then it was like, I didn't have anything to channel it into. So then that's when it felt scary and like ridiculous where I'd be like at the grocery store and you know picking up a few things and I'd be like oh wouldn't it be nice if I like grabbed this tuna and I could make like a tuna salad and then all of a sudden I'd have this thought in my head where it's like you can't do that because you you can't remember the recipe and then you're gonna have to get all this Mm -hmm. stuff and I get like legit overwhelmed and I'm like Mm -hmm. this is crazy or I'd be like sitting at night getting ready for bed and I'd be like Okay, come on, just go brush your teeth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. And I got on medication. And all of a sudden, I remember that like within a few days, I went to go brush my teeth and I just didn't. You're right. And it was so odd to not have those that voice that I, that I just was like, this is my superpower, which it was anxiety. And I was being ridiculous. But getting on medication, it did not change me. And I was, um, I'm obviously still incredibly hilarious, award-winning comedian. Obviously. But it, it just, it was different because so much of like where I felt like I was being funny was overcompensating for my own anxiety or I would overanalyze things and I could say that in a funny way. Um, and I was like, will I lose that? And it was mm. just relearning 
to see the to see where I would have had anxiety and I could still relay those things in a in a, a different way, but I didn't lose myself. And it's this really odd thing where it's like, uh, but I'm going to be different. And it's like, because you should like, because that's what you want. You want something different. You, you don't want, want to be different. You yes. want to give yourself. And honestly, the, the doctor that I spoke with and that I speak with um, was like, listen, people take medicine for blood pressure, for pain, for anything to run properly and they are just prescribed this medicine and they take it tr fully trusting that the doctor knows what's best and that thing will help them with what ails them we should mm -hmm. treat our mental the same way i understand oh, you know it's it's a little scarier because it's your brain or whatever your but it's designed to help what mentally ails you oh i i mean that i started taking Wellbutrin like a year ago mm -hmm. and, and, or maybe even more, but it's been a game changer. It's a game changer. I just like, I just didn't realize the level of anxiety I was living with. And I knew that yeah. it was bad because if it wasn't bad, I would have never taken the initiative to reach out Right. because I just had this feeling. I was like, I think I need medication. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't, like, <laughs> I didn't I want to believe you, it, but I it didn't was true. Either, but knowing that I and I know my little, it was not a rock bottom essentially, but it was like a mental break that I didn't understand because I, mm. I thought so much that I was like, oh, I understand when I'm going through my anxiety and red depression, I'll be out of it. But this one I couldn't, and I didn't understand it, and it, it didn't sound as drastic as a rock bottom. I'm at a bar eating oysters, but like. You couldn't even tell me who I was. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Right, I was just like right. kind of floating through. And I knew, I was like, man, I'm going to need more help than I've had in the past. There was this feeling inside me that I just felt like I, I was at a place where I didn't see a way out. And the only way out I saw was if I were to reach out to a professional. I just felt like it was mm -hmm. out of my own hands at that point. Real. I just know that on my own personal mission to get the help and I'm blessed enough to be, you know, to have great insurance. And even that was still like a bit of a chore to go through that and to find the people in your network and uh, to make sure that you're accepting new patients. Like it can be difficult and daunting to do that if you're suffering through your, your rock bottom or any type of depression. Mm -hmm. So maybe if there's somebody that you can trust and that you love that like is able to help you push through those things because it doesn't make it easy and it's even harder. Like that's just like dealing with getting a therapist, a psychologist mm -hmm. to get a psychiatrist and all of that. It can be a little, a bit even more daunting, you know, certain. It is daunting. Yeah. Certain prof uh, professional medical professionals have surveys and, and things that you need to fill out before you get to the appointment or, you know, these intake forms and, and they're important because they're asking you about where you are. But yeah. that also, it was very overwhelming for me. Oh, I remember when I did my survey and I, I, it was very clear to me that I was doing the right thing when I was answering this. <laughs> I was like, like, how do y'all know exactly what to ask me? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, I'm like, oh, intrusive thoughts. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes I do think like, hmm, what if I just like, Swerved my car right off the highway. And I'm like, I'm yeah. not going to do it. But it would be like, I'd have like shit like but that. Like, like, why is that happening oh. to my brain? Yes. And it was like, I had these little things where I'm like, maybe it's not normal to like stand by a balcony and go, what if I just jumped? And I'm like, I'm not gonna. Like, I'm not really gonna. Oh my but gosh. like, what if yes. I just did it? And I'm like, but I don't want to do it. But it was like, you I know feel what? that. But the interesting thoughts. The intrusive thoughts. And so that was that was the real catalyst of like, I just started having a lot of them. And so I finally just took that initiative. But once I, I, but it was taking that first step to say something to somebody else. And once I vocalized it, it became a little bit more real. Mm -hmm. And once it was a little bit more real, I could then make a real plan of like what to do next. Yeah. And I think that's what's important is that there is some type of, forward movement it doesn't have to be handling it all today but as long no. as there is some forward movement in getting you out of that rock bottom 
out of that depression, out of that place that doesn't feel like there's any hope. But again, listen, this is mine and Adam's personal experiences with these things. We are not, you know, mental health professionals. We are just people who deal with their own mental health. Um, But if you are experiencing mental health related distress or you're worried about a loved one who may need immediate support, contact 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. And 988 is confidential. It's free and it's available 24-7-365. Which is really great. It is, it's, a, it's an amazing resource to have out there. And it's just as simple as just calling or texting 988 to connect with a trained crisis counselor. And that is available, again, 24-7. And if you're really feeling like you need to reach out to somebody and you don't know where to start, it can be a good place to just get started. All right, Danielle, what about hitting rock bottom are we normalizing? Mm. We need to normalize healing however it is that you need to heal. Mm-hmm. You know, the good news is there are so many tools to help you get back up from whatever the rock bottom is that you hit, whether it's therapy, medication, podcasts like ours, Mm -hmm. or your preacher or your teacher or your mother, whoever it is, take the time you need to take. Seek out the methods that you need to support yourself in healing. And then just sometimes you just got to cry. The milk is spilled. Just put your tears in there too. Stir it round. And I mean, knowing you're at rock bottom or at least feeling you're in a rock bottom state of mind, honestly, it feels awful, but it's so good at the same time because you know the only way to go is up. That's it. So look up. Normalize that. You should normalize that because also it gets into a point that I want to normalize because I want to normalize admitting when you're not okay. Yeah, You have to be honest with yourself. You You know, do. if you're struggling, it's okay. It's not weak to... To be weak. To be weak. It really isn't. Vulnerability is a strength. I believe that it is a quote from either Roxane Gay or... No. B.B. Rexa. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? It's not. Could be. Very close. (laughs) But no, vulnerability is a strength. That's Brene Brown. Yes, Brene Brown says that. And it is. It does take so much strength to tell yourself to open yourself up, to bleed out in front of people, you know, Mm -hmm. and to share when things are just not going okay. It's very easy for us to brush things off and to answer the question, how's how's everything going? Oh, good, girl. I'm good. I'm fine. And the whole time you're just not. And you're just prolonging an inevitable break, even further rock bottom. Yeah. So I think there is so much strength in sharing with the people who you are intimately connected to. Um, And even beyond that, if you want to share on social media, that you're just not okay. Sometimes it's also nice to have an influx of strangers, essentially, and, you know, people that you don't know personally, but mm-hmm. know you online, support you and feel you on that and even share their own stories. It's very, it's it's very therapeutic in, in feeling like you're a part of something else. Other people are also not feeling okay. Totally. You're not by yourself in that, in that despair. I mean, of all the crazy and weird things that the internet can bring, One of the most beautiful things is being able to find a sense of community with over so many, if not every topic. Yeah, it really is. Like some people may not feel like they can be that vulnerable with people in their lives, but getting it out in some way is very important. And Mm -hmm. if you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you've been listening since the first episode. A couple episodes ago, we talked about normalizing like this work-life balance. And I shared how this was the first time in my life that I ever went to a job and told them I was not okay and that I needed the time. And it took me so long to even be able to do that, to convince myself to do that. And then when it came time to do it, it even took me a lot of strength to get through that because I didn't want to let my boss down, my team down. I didn't want to drop the ball. It's so crazy to think of that versus thinking of yourself first. Yeah. I mean, there are so many reasons to admire you, but that's probably the most admirable thing is 
you being able to say that you need to take that time. I really admire that. I like yeah. that really is inspiring. Yeah, I'm thank you. I'm very proud of myself for that because it does open up a different type of uh a type of thing for me that like I know myself enough to know when I need a moment when it's mm-hmm. not okay for me to just keep going yeah. because that's what I've done for so long. Yeah. I mean, it's like we feel like programmed to do that. Right. So, yeah, normalize admitting when you're not okay. Danielle, I think now that everybody knows that I'm on medication, we should go. Yes, let's clink our pills together. Clink. I'm feeling better already. (laughs) We should get into our next segment. Yes. Keep it or curb or it. Curb it. Wow, I took the lead on that one and it felt kind of good. What did you think? <laughs> I hear complete silence. <laughs> and a high pitch. <sighs> it went. I'll work on it. Again, again, I'm gonna work on it. It went. So it okay, did. I'm ready for keep it or curb it. Let's we're Let's gonna we're moving forward as as you do, <laughs> right? I'm taking yes. I'm taking a page out of our own our own advice to ourselves. Yes. What social trend or ridiculosity are we about to keep or curb? So in recent months, scientists around the world have put their lives on the line to protest and bring attention to the climate crisis. The climate crisis. Good night. The climate crisis. The climate crisis. Mm-hmm. And according to The Guardian, more than 1,000 scientists in at least 25 different countries were arrested for gluing scientific papers and their hands on the glass of a government energy building in the UK. Their aim was to draw attention to the lack of response from governments around the world to make significant changes or suffer or suffer climate catastrophe. Oh. So should we keep or curb scientists protesting in extreme ways to get our attention? First of I... all, that sentence sounds like I want that. <laughs> I am obsessed. Yes, yeah, scientists, we know that the world is suffering and has been for so long. Mm-hmm. But people tr- still try to act like the like the climate crisis, the climate crisis, the crisis. It is a crisis. They're trying to act like it's not happening. But it's like, honey, do you not feel this weather? Do you not see yeah. the melting North Pole? Like things are happening. Yeah. And I think the thing that bothers me is that I think it's so important that we all do, we all make an effort to be as environmentally conscious as possible. We should. If these large corporations, I cannot believe on a podcast, I'm saying the word large corporation, but if these large corporations, I know I am, (laughs) I am me, as they (laughs) have said in a song before that I can't think of, (laughs) um, from The Greatest Showman. And if these large corporations, I'm, I'm my hands are glued to my desk now. Um, if these large corporations, if they don't make the big changes, then like we don't really see big changes. Yeah. Stop being bad. <laughs> We're killing the planet. And yeah, they like, need to get stop. our attention. It, I'm, and I'm honestly, if the scientists are doing this type of extreme, like, display it is important yes we need your attention yeah a thousand scientists here a thousand scientists greta thunberg came to the united states so it's not even like it's in one country they are spread across the world because the climate affects the world famously famously it's everywhere y'all so the scientists are like no we're banding together because this is a world issue and we don't talk about it. But some, but for some reason, I know that Khloe Kardashian had a surrogate baby. Why do I know that? I feel right. like I should know more about the climate crisis. <laughs> yeah, shouldn't we know more about the polar ice caps? <laughs> Fuckhead. <laughs> I'm keeping extreme protesting from scientists who are informing us of our impending death. 
Yeah, I'm keeping I'm keeping these scientists. Thank you yes. for your work. Keep showing us, please. Mm-hmm. Next up on Keep It or Curb It. Curb It. <laughs> that was better. It I will was. say that I did sound better. Okay. I'm not mad at you. So mm-hmm. this Thank one you. is speaking to my heart because I almost am very ready to get a pet. Almost. Okay. I have a dog, so this is sounding along those lines. Yes. You're probably one of these people. Mm-hmm. According to leading online pet store, Chew.com, in 2019, American pet owners spent $95.7 billion on mm-hmm. their companions, their pets. I believe Nearly this. double the $48.35 billion forked out a decade ago. Mm-hmm. $95.7 billion in 2019. And I'm sure it's more now that we've been through this pandemic. People probably got pets. But pet owners in America have been splurging on things like designer clothes, furniture, grooming, spa treatments. I've <laughs> seen dogs in sweatshirts and strollers, beds, uh-huh. healthcare, gourmet food, like <laughs> food that costs more than your monthly bill of your takeout orders. Uh-huh. So according to Chew, the pet industry experts credit the rise in pet pampering to dun dun dun, dun millennial pet parents who see their oh, pets no. as part of the family. I mean, we've uh, always seen pets as part of the family. Yeah, and you know what I really are think it not? is? is like, like what? They are. No, they are. <laughs> and I think the real thing is that people could see that there was a market for it. So there's so much more available. People also wanted that, to always Yeah, because do this back stuff. in my day, dogs used to eat scraps, you know, from yeah. dinner. And now we've learned that that is not healthy. And especially like chicken bones and, and things like that could be potentially dangerous. Mm-hmm. To dogs. So I like, you know, I grew up knowing that dogs could just do whatever. And now dogs have like probiotics. Dogs are out here getting <laughs> all kinds of gourmet fancy feasts mm-hmm. that are gluten and this and that free. So it's like they have improved the way our pets need to eat because, you know, this stuff, the human food don't be working. And then the dog food just just kibble. Dogs need a little variety. They need protein, you know, like you. Yeah, <laughs> just like me. And I will say, so I'm, I do have a dog. Legally, I own a dog. Okay, and, so, and that dog is a part of the family. That dog is a part of the family. How much His of that $95.7 billion is from you? I'm going to tell you. <laughs> so have I thought and have I looked long and hard? So I'm going to tell, so Tony is a total mix. He's like a rescue dog from, he's originally from uh, Tijuana. Ah, so I got them from this rescue in LA. It's called Pups Without Borders, and they Ooh. save different street dogs that they find. And Tony's mother was pregnant with the litter Tony was from. Um, she had her babies in Tijuana, and so that's I got Tony from her from her litter. I'm googling so Tony, Pups Without Borders right now. They're the they're so great. They were so, they they were so great. So. Tony is, I obviously, one, here's part of the billion, did his DNA, because I wanted to know what what's the lineage of my son. And I could see that he is like 40% Pitbull. He's like 15% Rottweiler. He's got some Boxer. He's got German Shepherd, Golden Retriever. Oh my goodness. So many he's, things. You'd think he'd be a big boy, but he's <laughs> kind of short and he's got a thick ass neck. So I thought that maybe he'd be a small dog. Well, he's not a small dog because he's got a thick neck. So he's not a large dog, even though on the weight scale, he could be large because he's 50 pounds. I told you the thick neck and the short guy. Throwing you off. Threw me off. And so he's dense. Dense as the day is young. And so that bitch is heavy to pick up. And he doesn't look like he's going to be that heavy. Um, I'm not talking about myself. Right. And so he, I really thought that, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be one of those people that like gets a designer dog collar. But I'm glad that I waited because I could see how he treats the current collar he has like a piece of shit. <laughs> so my favorite collar he has is that like, it's just some like really washable one, which thank God, because dogs 
are dirty. So they are, dirty. They are, they are dirty. Does Tony have, like, you know those Yeti water bottles? Mm-hmm. He has Yeti water bowls. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's for me, because I think it's cute. Was he afraid of them? Yeah, he was, and he didn't drink water for about two days. What? Oh, yeah, he was afraid of his water. Tony can be afraid. First of all, dogs, they deserve everything that we can give them. And I was trying to show him that a Yeti water bowl would be great. He was afraid of it. I had to cover it in peanut butter for him to even go near it. Oh, my God. Take a drink of water. The things you do for these animals. I know. And it's worth every second because it's so incredible. They're the best. I think, keep it, keep it, keep it. And and I plan to keep spending more billions of dollars on pets. I am already in love with an uh, American pit bull terrier by the name of Rigatoni on Pups Without Borders. Oh, my God. Please, oh, my God, please. you ha- Like, if you're looking for a dog, anybody, they, they're the best. And they always have tons of... They just have tons of dogs that like need a great home, and I just I I'm already I sold. Have... Great, I'm already Love sold. It. Oh my god, I have to send you Rigatoni. I'm obsessed. Please send him. <laughs> I felt the same way about Tony when we his Tony's name on the Pups Without Border site was stuffing because he was born around Thanksgiving. That is very cute. Very cute. But you and changed we, it. We changed it because um, JP didn't know what stuffing was. And I went, oh, right. Those well, great actually, Britainers. Yeah, those f- fucking people from London. <laughs> and so he didn't know what stuffing was. And I tried to explain it. And he said, that doesn't sound good. And I said, I don't think it is. But I think that we've kind of, <laughs> we've decided that it is. But you're right. It is not good. <laughs> and so Tony was, it's it's like a, you know, very, pretty common here in the U.S. But it's also a Finnish name. Mm-hmm. And so... We both liked it that like um, our fr- both of our family members and friends would be able to say the name and not feel like they ha- like were saying it with an accent. <laughs> so we settled on Tony instead of stuffing, which let's be honest, is just bread covered in shit. But stuffing is hella cute. And I'm already I love Rigatoni. I would not change Rigatoni's name, I don't think. But I do you want a dog think. named Pancetta. Okay, but you know what? I do think it's a sign that Rigatoni is sort of in Rigatoni's that. mine. I'm adopting this dog. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> you should go see him. I'm not joking. I gotta get to him before somebody gets to him. Do it. Oh my God, I'm gonna cry. I'm oh my gonna God, cry. That's, I cannot... And obviously, I'm gonna pamper my pet. So keeping. Yes. Oh, and I can't wait. When you do, I'm, I'm bringing you the Yeti water ball. Easily. I've already been convinced that my dog needs it. Oh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, I was about to ask you what was your favorite takeaway from this episode. And I mean, what's your favorite takeaway? Honestly, this is going to bring it back to just the, the, the heaviness of the episode, how, how powerful it was. Um, learning about 988, mm-hmm. being able to call a number and get immediate help 24-7 is quite the resource that I was not even aware that America gave. So that is, to to me, hey, take that with you everywhere you go, y'all. Yeah, that's amazing. And there's other, like, if you you try to find something that might, you know, be a a different fit or if you need something, there's um, organizations like the Trevor Project that are out there that Mm -hmm. are also a free 24-7 hotline. Um, But yeah, learning about this 988 is um, great. It's really, really awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, Adam, thank you for sharing that. <sighs> thank you for sharing so much of yourself today, truly. No, I feel thank you. so exposed, so vulnerable, but that's only because I'm here to help. And I also believe in growing this relationship that we have with y'all. Yeah. And you know what? I feel, I do feel that like sometimes just sharing your experience and somebody kind of might relate to it and they might take steps in their own lives, mm-hmm. whether, you know, not, you, you might, get therapy, might talk to a psychiatrist, just a psychologist for the first time. But, you know, some, we're not we're not all that different. We're all very similar in so many different so ways. So many ways. So let's normalize these rock bottoms because you are not by yourself. No, 
And that's actually our time for today, Danielle. I had an amazing conversation with you. Thank you. Oh, what a beautiful emotional roller coaster. Yeah. And thank you all for listening. So make sure that you rate, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Five stars, quick, in and out. Reach out to us on social media. I'm at Adda Rip on Instagram and at Adda Rippon on Twitter. Danielle, where can they find you? At the Danielle Young on Instagram and Rapso Danny, R-H-A-P-S-O-D-A-N-I on Twitter. Slide on in. And let us slide on in as Danielle's <laughs> offered. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Mm-hmm. And if you have any other topics that we should normalize, we that that is what we do. And we're ready to do it at a moment's notice. Yeah. So that's it for now. We'll see you next time on Normalize This. Until then, be kind to yourself. Everyone out there listening, we want to hear from you. Make sure you follow at Make Spring Hill on all platforms for weekly show updates.